You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Hi guys, this is Jesse with the Voluntary Vixens, and it looks like I am going to be solo again today. Well, actually, I shouldn't say again. It's been a while since I've been by myself, but you know, with everything that's been going on with COVID-19 and people having to work from home, you know, especially with Maddie, she's had to work from home and she's had uh, her slow, her workload really hasn't slowed down. So it looks like really tonight was going to happen by myself anyways. Um, and I could have not recorded, but I've had a lot of things kind of happen recently. So I just felt like it was important to at least kind of put something out here, even if it's not going to be a very long episode. At least I don't think it will be. One of the things that has really been hard about the quarantine, being a mom, I work one night a week as a nurse, so it doesn't really get in the way of much. And I'm with the kids most of the time. We only have to really worry about two daytimes that my husband has to watch the kids or my parents will watch the kids. So that really doesn't affect a whole lot. And for the most part, I kind of am a stay-at-home mom. Well, both my kids go to school. And since the quarantine has come down on all of us, my kids have been at home most of the time. And I've been hearing a lot of Karens out there talking about how we need to keep our kids indoors and they see children playing outside and playing with other kids and they want everybody just to stay indoors. But that's hard to do when you have two small kids. And I have, I have, Um, a child that has autism and he is very intuitive and inquisitive. He's always trying to get into things and he's used to being a very active kid. He's used to having something planned for him every single day, which is what we have to do for a kid with autism. We have to have a lot of structure and we haven't had a lot of structure lately. So it's been very difficult at home. Um, And my daughter is also, out of school and she has a very structured life as well from that. And now that has been taken from her. So they have an enormous amount of free time. And with that time, they get very destructive. I mean, I've had, uh, walls drawn on, painted on. They've literally tried, like my daughter cut her own hair a little bit. It's just been, it's been, it's been a little hard. Um, and I know that there are other mothers out there that are feeling the same way. You just don't feel like you're a good mom because you're finding yourself getting really frustrated and you find yourself easily annoyed. Um, the sound of everybody's voice just suddenly just is like, you know, nails on chalkboard. You just can't stand it. And if you're an introvert like me, you want to just be alone for hours and you can't get that, you know, you just, sometimes you, you're not going to have that. My husband works from home and we're very lucky that he's always worked from home. So it's never been a problem. Um, that never changed, but now he has to help me with the kids, especially on days that I have to work, I have to sleep. So he has to watch the kids for me 
and that can be a task. Um, I know I'm not the only one. That's why I'm here, I guess, maybe just to kind of say, like, I know I'm not the only one that's going through this. I think we all feel a little bit closed in. It would be one thing if you could go to the park and, you know, let the kids play on the playground, but we can't even do that. I mean, the most basic things that we've all been able to do, we can't. And that's the thing that I feel really frustrated about. I mean, you could say that by staying in, we're saving all these people's lives by not spreading the virus and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, we're, we have to think about everybody's lives, not just the lives of the people who could be infected by COVID-19. We have to think about the people whose jobs are gone now and they are worrying about how they're going to pay their bills. Um, there are domestic violence situations that are escalating right now. Um, I know actually personally of a couple situations in my personal life where people are getting into back into drugs again, back into drinking again, and it's because they just don't have anything else they can do. This is not a good long-term solution. We have been, it seems to me like we've probably been in this quarantine, at least in my state, it's a little bit over a month now. So it's not, um, it's just not fun. And I just found out today that the, our governor, Bill Lee, has decided that we should just shut down school to the end of the year. So now my daughter can't go back to school and she's, you know, without that schedule. So I have to figure out how to do that. Now, a lot of libertarians and voluntarists and caps, they really think homeschooling is great. And I do too. But the thing is, I'm not good at it. So <laughs> um, I've tried sitting down with my daughter and trying to teach her a couple things, but it's not easy. She's very stubborn. She's just like me. And um, she wants to be a perfectionist. She wants to immediately grasp the concept and start doing it perfectly right away. And she's not going to do that. That's just not how things work. So when I have to correct her, it's hard for her. And I understand that. It's hard to hear, hear it from her own mother, I think, more than it is a teacher. So it's a struggle. Um, so these are just some of the things that I'm personally being affected with. In my town, we don't really have a high rate of people who are dying from COVID-19. More people are probably dying of car accidents or um, just, you know, we have a lot of cancer patients, COPD patients in our area. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of places. Um, so that's, that's the majority of people that are dying in my state. Um, I personally, I can't stand to watch the news. So I could give you the numbers, but I just don't want to watch the news. I get very frustrated very easily. Um, and one of the things that i really have been keeping track of is just, the virus itself and trying to understand the how the the numbers just don't seem to be adding up. I've asked a lot of my friends who are nurses and healthcare workers 
how their jobs have been affected since we've, they've been in the quarantine. Because if, you know, right in the beginning there, we were hearing about all these nurses that were just super overwhelmed. Uh, they didn't have enough PPE. Um, there was too many patients to take care of, not enough staff. And that just doesn't seem to be the case. Um, the PPE thing does seem to be true. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of nurses saying that they're being told to just like go home because there just isn't enough patients for all of the nurses that were scheduled that day, which is normal on a slow day. They'll, you know, they'll call off nurses. Um, but there are some people like, uh, I have a really good friend who works at an orthopedic, orthopedic, um, office. He's a medical, um, assistant and he's only working like a couple days a week because all of those surgeries that he would have prepared patients for and gotten them ready for and done their physicals and everything, they've been put postponed till whenever this thing ends. So his job is affected and he had to sign a contract saying that he won't work for any other facilities because they don't want him to be possibly, you know, get coronavirus and then come back to the clinic and spread that around. So he has to work part time and that's it. And he doesn't get paid full time. So, you know, it's, it's not exactly the crisis that everybody says it is, at least not here. I have, um, I don't have any firsthand accounts because I don't really know any nurses personally in New York city, but I have read in some of my nursing online groups that they are slow. Things are really slow and they don't know why they don't understand why now <laughs> I know why, but nobody will admit it on any of these nursing forums that maybe the government and everybody over blue how this pandemic was going to go. I think that they thought we would turn into another Italy. Um, they didn't take into account all the variables of why we would not turn into another Italy. And also the fact that we have a very large country. So there's going to be vast amounts of areas where people are not really going to see high cases of COVID or deaths from that. But oh well. So I guess the thing that drives me the craziest is just a lot of the misinformation that's going out there. I put a video on Instagram talking about ventilators because there was a large push for private companies here in America to build ventilators instead of building cars and whatever you have that they make. But um, one of the big things about this particular disease is that it's a respiratory disease and it causes respiratory failure. And what was originally diagnosed or prescribed for that was when a patient gets to that point of respiratory failure, they completely bypass the BiPAP machine and go straight to the ventilators. The problem with that, though, is that with a ventilator, you have to sedate a patient completely because nobody's going to be nobody who's alert at all is going to be able to tolerate having a tube stuck down through their trachea into their lungs. And even once you get it down there, that person has to be heavily medicated to, so they stay in a state of sedation so that they don't try to pull the vent out while they're in bed. And 
that sedation can leave patients pretty confused. And on top of that, when you're being sedated and you're laying on your back, there's just a lot of things that are about that that are just going to make you weaker. I mean, the best thing to do for being a healthy patient is just to get up and walk and move. I mean, the day after you have like a hip replacement, for example, is you get up and walk on it. It sounds counterintuitive, but that's the best way for your hip to heal around the replacement and for it to get stronger. And same thing goes with your lungs. You got to use all those muscles. It's not just the lungs itself that have to breathe. You also have muscles in your chest that help push and pull and help expand and compress the lungs. And when you're laying in bed and you're in a sedated state, you're not using any of those muscles. And the chance of you being able to get off a ventilator and be able to breathe in your own is lessened every day that you're on that ventilator. Now, the news has been talking about how the ventilators, um, we need them so badly. But then they also say that COVID patients are like, they're going to die on a, on a ventilator. Like the, the chance of them dying is like 60 to 80% higher in some places. And my thing about that is, well, anybody who's on a ventilator is got a very low chance of survival because if you're at a point where your lungs are completely failing and you cannot exchange oxygen, you're going to die. And so you need to be on something. Um, I mean, technically speaking, like you're at death's door. So you're just using a robot to help you breathe and you're, you're just basically kind of like holding on to your last chances there. Now there are people that do come out of, of like respiratory failure. I mean, a lot of these people tend to be young and they're car accident patients and what have you. And they, most of their respiratory failure comes from maybe a brain injury of some kind first and they're able to, once they get all their brain activity back to normal, they can, they can now breathe on their own. But for patients who have COVID, we know for um, just the data that most of them tend to be either elderly pa- patients with comorbidities or people who are, they might be young, but they will have a, um, a very poor immune system caused by something like leukemia some kind of cancer, or they have a bunch of comorbidities, diabetes and obesity tend have actually made it on the list of people of things that people can have that can really exacerbate your chances of getting and dying from COVID. So that's the thing to think about. Um, people who think that being fat is beautiful, but back on task, I just think that, um, the information we were given about the about the ventilators and how important it was and how we really needed them i don't think that that's really true and they've there's um i don't know and i wish i could tell you the study but um there was study done i think on in china when the sars epidemic hit and they found that you know if they waited a little bit and they didn't put patients on ventilators right away, they had a better chance at surviving than those that did. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Ventilators are people to the lay person. They always ask, and I always wondered about this as a nurse, but I I guess people really just don't know much about ventilators. They always ask, like, why can't we just put them on a ventilator? Like we'll have a hospice patient who's on a, a BiPAP and they don't understand why we can't just stick these people on a ventilators. I mean, on top of that, 
being really expensive and unnecessary. And we know that the patient is going to die anyways, but it's also painful. It's not a, it's not a pleasant procedure. You have to sedate the person completely. And I, th- I would think that if you're going to die, you'd kind of want to be a little bit aware of what's going on around you so you can say goodbye to your loved ones. But people want, they'd much rather that they have their family member on a ventilator than, you know, struggling to breathe on a BiPAP, I guess. Um, they don't realize that they're struggling to breathe even on a vent. And um, a ventilator is very rough on your body. I mean, it does, it's a machine that pushes air in and pulls air out of your lungs and it can cause per, per, uh, permanent damage to your airways. Not only are you going to possibly hurt your trachea, but you could also damage the uh, little alveoli in your lungs, the little pockets in your lungs, because they're very, you know, very thin little pockets and they can easily tear and that will affect your ability to breathe once you take the ventilator off anyways. Um, so that's just a little information on that. (laughs) Some other information that just kind of, I have a lot of questions about. I've been, I've had some people send me some articles and I've only been able to read like a couple, um, snippets here and there, but it sounds like even the, the tests that they've been using to test for COVID are not a hundred percent accurate. Some of the articles I saw, so they don't really test for the full virus. They're testing for certain proteins or looking for certain proteins. That's what they're looking for in the test. And they're using that as a positive. And so we're seeing that maybe some of these patients were tested positive when they may have just been exposed to the virus. Um, I'm not really 100% sure about that. Um, of course, there's the the idea that maybe coronavirus is a manufactured virus in a lab. Um, there seems to be a lot of evidence towards that, to be honest, but I don't know if that's really important at this point. I guess my thinking is that we need to probably follow a model kind of the way that South Korea did. They tested everybody. So they actually had a good picture of everybody who had the virus and who got sick and who didn't and then I think once they got over the the main the big part of the peak of the virus they started to slowly um go back to normal they let the kids go back to school but they shut down uh bars and restaurants still and then slowly but surely they started opening up certain businesses until they saw that there really was like a flattened line with the virus and and the number of infections. I think we probably could do something like that here in the United States. Like I would think that it probably would be a good idea if we at least opened up the schools, if we could open up the schools and let the kids go back, that would give them some kind of, the kids would have some kind of thing you know, thing to do. And even if they did get sick, we're letting healthy people be exposed to each other in a way. And we know that they can get over the virus for the most part, and then they can build up an immunity that way. Cause the problem I'm seeing just when I'm thinking about it from what I, how I understand viruses, we're really not getting rid of the virus. What we're just doing is we're just kind of 
I guess, keeping the peak down. But we know the virus is going to still be there even after we're done with this quarantine. I don't really understand the plan because there's no way that they're going to have a vaccine ready in time. And if they even if they had a, they, they had a vaccine tomorrow, there's no way in hell I'm going to go down there and get a vaccine or let my kids get a vaccine because I know they didn't test it and I don't trust them. I'd much rather my kids just get it and we all just kind of nurse our way through it than get the vaccine because God knows what the hell is in that thing. So I, that's my two cents on that. And I think that most people who think logically can see that makes a little bit of sense. I mean, you're not 100% just opening up the economy all the way back up again but you are slowly but surely letting people get back to sort of a routine, a normal life, seeing how that goes. And if you're not seeing a spike, then you can kind of let other people go back to their life a little bit. Like I think that um, we could probably just get back to letting the kids go to school. That being the first step. Um, I would like to see um, them opening up the hospitals for procedures again, because non-essential procedures to the government is an essential surgery to some others. I know somebody who's waiting to get his eye surgery because he would actually like to see. Can you imagine? I mean, being told that your ability to see is not important, is not essential. I mean, that's how stupid this has gotten. And the data just doesn't show that enough people have been infected or died from this, dis this you know, virus for it us to really be doing this. I'm just not seeing it. Um, now, one thing I have noticed is that there are the mouth breathers out there that are saying, well, it's because we social distance enough and we didn't burden the hospitals that this has gone down. If we, and, and we just need to keep doing it for six more months. I swear to God, if I hear somebody say six more months, I'm going to fucking punch them in the face. I cannot even imagine trying to do this for six months. I'd like to have a summer. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have revolts. That's what's going to happen. We've already seen protests. As I'm talking today, and it's, let's see, today's April 15th. Yeah. So I'm seeing a, on the news, protests all over, especially in North Carolina, Michigan, um, you can, I, there's, I mean, people are ready to just get this over with. It's like hard for people to understand each other right now too. Um, one of my really good friends that I've been friends with for a very long time got very upset with me last night because she didn't think I was taking this whole thing serious enough. And, uh, you know, she basically, <laughs> basically said that I put more care into people dying from car accidents than I did about people who are dying from the virus. And the truth is the reason why she's saying that is because I said more people are dying in car accidents than there are people that are dying from this virus right now. Um, but the reason why she's saying that is because she thinks she's kind of like everybody else in her tribe that they think that if you don't want to social distance, you hate, people who have the disease and you want them to die. That's kind of the, the, 
the mentality that we only care about ourselves. We're so selfish. We could, why do you want to care about the economy over these people that are dying from the virus? Well, you can think about the people who are dying from the virus and trying to protect them. But we also have to think about people who are dying of other things too, and how we can help those people lessen that number as well. I mean, technically speaking, we have kind of cut back on car accidents because we just don't have people get leaving their house. But we have seen an up, uptick in people who are committing suicide, people who are coming to the hospital because of domestic violence situations. We just had a situation here in my town where a woman's hus- husband, it was either her husband or her boyfriend, they were driving in the car and he snapped on her and he started accusing her of cheating And she tried to get out of the car because he was starting to get violent. And she somehow did get out of the car and she ran. She tried to get into these people's houses and knocked on the door, but they wouldn't answer the door. So she ran behind the house and he rammed his truck into the front of these people's homes and shot the people that live there. I mean, people are just going crazy. So it sounds stupid, but that's what's going on. It's not just the virus. This is not just the virus. And I think that's the reason why I'm a little stir crazy because there's too many people who want to tell you what to do. There's too many people who want to judge you because you don't think like they do. And there's too many people that want to use the big arm of government to make you do what they want you to do. And those people are dangerous to me. And I think that for the most of the people that listen to this podcast, that's how they feel too. I don't know the answer for those people because one of those people is one of my best friends. I've known her since high school. I love her. She's one of my best friends. It breaks my heart when I see what happens to these people, especially to her, people who normally think with logic and reason, but has completely lost their ability to ask questions to be skeptical about things, to say, you know, this data just doesn't make sense. They just don't want to ask those questions. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's maybe because if they go down that rabbit hole, then they would realize that government is not really there for us. Government is never going to be there to protect us from anything. Government is never going to be there to, it's not benevolent. It's not for our benefit. How many times have we voted people in and they've only done like maybe 1% of the promises, if even that? You know, that's why I, I've been saying a lot of like, don't vote online and stuff because I'm starting to realize more and more as I get older that the that voting really doesn't change much of anything. I do believe that there are some good politicians out there, but I don't think there's enough. And I think that they're coming, they're trying to fight a war with the wrong weapons. We're not going to win this war through politics. We're not going to win this battle with politicians. We're just not, that's not the way it's going to work. And I don't think we need to get violent either. I just think what's going to make it make this war win for us 
is if we just keep asking questions. We just keep asking questions that make everybody uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, it might make them lay down in bed and really search themselves on why they think the way they do. Is it because they have the evidence in front of them? Is that why they think that way? Or is it because they've been told the same thing over and over and over again? That's the thing that drives me crazy. When I go to my mom's house, she has Fox News on and the stories are all the same. It might change, the show might change, but the headline is still the same headline. It's the same story and you learn nothing new. You learn nothing new. My husband went through a spill where he was listening to MSNBC and it was the same story over and over and over again. The same headlines over and over and over again. And you just don't learn anything new. Now, I know that we voluntarists, libertarians, ANCAPs, whatever you want to call yourselves, we live in an echo chamber too. And we have our own languages. We, you know, we call the people normies or we use this, we say NPC, um, hashtag brave, things like that. And we, we can come off as like very condescending to the normies, quote unquote. But, um, I think that doesn't really resonate with people very much. I think the big thing is, is that I, I ask the question I always ask, I ask everybody, do you really think our government is doing everything right? And why do we just accept the things that they tell us? That's a question I ask people and I get a lot of different responses. When it comes to my friend the other day, she really hated that question. She absolutely could not stand that question. And I would, I'm going to be honest. This is a person who is very much like me is, you know, she doesn't back down from an argument. She states her case. So a lot of times we, I would have to just kind of cave and let her have her win, but I can't do that today anymore. I can't do that with people anymore because we're living in a time where that if we don't keep our government in check, they're going to take all of our rights away and we won't be able to even leave our house. And that's where we're at right now. So I don't know. I wanted to be positive. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, we get through this unscathed. I hope that we can, you know, get back to as normal as a routine as we possibly can, but I'm not sure that we'll ever be like we were before. And now that we know that our cell phones are being tracked and I think that they learned a lesson from this. They learned that how easy it is to get us all to just stay home, how easy it is for us all to lay down and let them tell us what to do. And that we'll just do it, that it won't, we'll start seeing pandemics happen a lot more often. So I don't know. I guess the only thing we can do is just wait and see. But, um, I guess I'm just going to end it here. It's a short episode. I'm really kind of just not ready. I don't want to talk anymore. Um, I feel like I've kind of talked a lot in the past couple days to a lot of different people. Um, but 
I do want to say that um, I think that there, I know I sound like I'm a pessimistic person and I guess I am to some degree, but I am kind of like Michael Malice where I do think that there is always something better for us along the horizon. And I think that we just need to try to stay as positive as possible because I will say being depressed and being negative is never going to get us in a good well, first off, we're going to be in a bad mood, but it's never going to put us in a place that we need to be. So we need to use this time wisely. Definitely take care of yourself. I know Maddie said that that's what she was going to do tonight is um, do some self-care. Um, she did some yoga, which is what I need to do. And um, I'm going to have a glass of wine and I'm going to watch probably something stupid on my laptop for a little while before I go to bed. But I do want to say that we do appreciate all of our listeners and all the feedback that you guys have given us. It's so great hearing from you guys and getting messages. We have, I think, the best fans and just the best followers, especially on Instagram, which is one place you can find us. Um, and then we also are on Facebook, um, the Voluntary Vixens Podcast. My Instagram automatically links over to our Facebook. So anything we post on our Instagram usually will show up on our Facebook as well. Um, we also are somewhat active on Twitter at um, Vixens Voluntary. And um, we have a Patreon. Um, but you guys probably want to hold on to your money for a little while because we don't know what's going on. Um if you really, really though, I guess I should say, if you guys really want to help us out, um, just let us know or just hit us up at um, vixens underscore voluntary at Patreon. And I guess that's pretty much it. Um, it would be nice to hear some, hear from you guys more. And if you guys have any antidotes on how, um, or little anecdotes about what you've guys been going through. Um, always send us a DM. So I'm going to end it here with Maddie's little, um, message that she always ends us with. And that is just keep it sane, keep it peaceful and keep it voluntary. Mm-hmm.